Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCorsi here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? Just here doing my thing. Here with you, Matt. Oh, it's living the dream. Could I ask for more? It's another day in paradise. So we're going to talk about things that you have a lot of experience with as well. And so does our I guest. Know. I'm excited. It, it does as car software, automotive yeah. related. So look at that. Wow. The excitement level. Just, I'm excited. The, the meter in the studio for excitement on one to 10 just hit 11. So Woo-hoo. thank you for that. Uh, let's introduce Jason Rice, who is the CEO and founder of Lot Pop. Hi, Jason. Hello. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for coming down. I appreciate it. And uh, going to talk all about what you do. Now, what do you do? Ah, that's the hard part. I don't have an elevator pitch. Uh, we can basically, I guess, in a nutshell, consult automotive dealers and inventory management process management mostly. Uh, we do also help them with internet lead process management. Mostly it's spending time on used cars and new cars a little bit, but bread and butter is about 80% of our business helping them on used car operations uh, and uh, helping them turn the inventory more profitably. So it has a, that has a lot to do with the pricing and the buying. Yeah. So how would you explain that to your grandma? I know. I know. That's the hard part. We help car dealers sell shit. <laughs> sell it faster too. So that's an important, faster. but that's an important part of, of any type of business. I mean, if you're selling anything, selling it faster and then also knowing what to buy or maybe often what not to buy. We move yeah. metal. Yeah. 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 And that's the marketing part of it. Photos, descriptions, all that too, you know, uh, presentation of it because you can't just, you know, pricing is one thing, but you got bad photos, check engine lights on, stuff like that. You gotta. Yeah. We, we've been friends so. on, uh. Facebook for a while. And I think it's interesting. You post, seems like every week or a couple of weeks, you'll post interesting examples where car dealers do really dumb or interesting advertising of things like that. Oh, where yeah. it's like the car is totally dirty or the check engine lights on or like just There's interesting a, things. You actually brought it up before I did. Jason is considered to be a, a social media influencer here on in Kansas City at least. And Some I saw list. him on a list with you, Watson. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't even use social media. I know. That's why that's, that, that's <laughs> actually, credibility yeah. of that list. That's, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. use Twitter. I don't, yeah. I didn't really You're all use over Instagram. Facebook. I use I know, Facebook. I know. As I was tweeting out the image and the link, I was, no, I'm just kidding. But no, Jason, you do a great job of, of uh, I see you on Facebook and the other social medias doing stuff. And really like what you're just trying to do is help people sell stuff faster, make their business more profitable, make their life easier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff I post is just kind of tips and ideas of things to do or not do. Like I said with the photos, there's a $40,000 Jaguar for sale and the the dash shot showed check engine or no brake pads low. Nice. $40,000 car. No wonder why it doesn't sell, you know? So stuff like that is just, so what are a couple, uh, let's talk about that for a second. Well, first off, let's talk about why do you, what, how do you even get into this, man? Uh, it's a long story. I'll, I'll try to condense it down, but I, I worked for a software company that was, they help dealers price their cars. Um, I can drop names. It's V auto. It's one of the bigger yeah. names out there. Uh, auto trader bought it six years, seven, uh, probably seven, eight years ago, which is Cox, which is a big 
organization in they automotive. Had, they had to do something to make up for that Venn Solutions acquisition. <laughs> they actually bought Viato first. Oh, yeah. they did. Yeah, so we were trying to make up for it. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, they, they give a background for Matt. Um, so then I worked for them for over eight years, and I traveled all over the country, literally stepping in thousands of dealerships and uh, seeing just the managers there struggle week after week and day after day, just trying to stay on top of everything that they need to stay on top of. And um, so every day they're in there as a used car manager to struggling, you know, working deals, talking to customers, buying cars at auctions, and there's metrics and trends that they need to be looking at and, and their photos and their descriptions. And they just didn't have time on a daily basis to do that. And I knew what it took to help dealers get to that next level. And usually it's just sitting behind the computer pulling some data, looking at the inventory where they didn't have the time to do it. And I knew there's an opportunity there to, to help them out, kind of be their used car assistant, used car director, uh, pull that data, look at the stuff they should be looking at, freeze them up to be have more time to be productive at the dealership. And then each week we meet with them and we go over the goods and bads of what's happening this week, where they need to focus and change prices with them and help keep that inventory moving. So you guess you get your, your users, clients, do you call them clients? Is yeah, that the, so sure. your clients, um, well, at least according to what I've seen you discussing, uh, they enjoy some pretty big benefits of this, right? I mean, they're, oh, yeah. they're selling a lot of stuff a lot faster, right? Yeah. I mean, the record months, we had a dealer that's been with us 60 days, had record months, blow away their numbers. We have dealers on the top 100 used car dealer franchise dealers in the country. We have some of the second largest Honda store in the country. I mean, we got, they're getting, having record months and profitability wise and everything. But What's just, cool is you're able to learn the best practices that you're instilling and see those results at these dealers, right? And then help apply those same strategies to everybody. Well, yeah, and that's, it's process management. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, it's one thing to have a process and that's why I, I, my background on, on car sales on the retail end, I did 1995 to 2005 or 1998, 1997, I'm sorry, to 2005, I sold cars on the, uh, the retail end, but I sold cars off the internet. So in 1998, 1999, I was selling cars off the internet when it's just coming out. And eventually I was a director of the of, uh, internet director for a large dealer group in St. Louis. So that's where I'm from. And it's just process management. In, implement a process and then manage it. Um, so I tell dealers this, well, when it came to internet management, it doesn't matter in your process. P- build one out, but then manage it. And, and then you tweak it. And then you move it. And then eventually it becomes a live thing. You know, you don't need the perfect process. Just implement something. But in a lot of dealers and pretty much every company, they'll imp- implement a process they know they need to do, whatever it be. But after two, three weeks, two or three months, if nobody's there paying attention to fades. it anymore, it fades away. Yeah. And they go through a dozen processes. And that's the, the problem year, with every business. Yeah. I mean, I have this problem at Stackify today. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at like, these things we need to do. And it's like, nobody does this. Nobody shit. does nobody it. Nobody follows up and does this. Yeah. And it's also like, we've had a lot of discussion in the past, uh, you know, businesses, including ours on, on some days have a problem that they're, they become, um, organizations filled with brilliant ideas and, and just really lackluster execution. Yeah. And uh, that's, there's a, you know, a, a large auto, dealership, even a medium or small size is still pushing a lot of volume due to the size of the transactions. And, you know, the pricing. So I have a history in in ticket resale and these were highly, these, the, the dynamic nature of the pricing for event tickets is just changing constantly. And you couldn't have kept up by it with it by yourself. And there was a lot of different things that 
that, you know, I have a big respect for what you do because we were able to look at that data and there was only a couple of different sources. There are a zillion car lots. Yeah. What do we do? You've mentioned before, do we know how many car lots there are? Like how many new car dealers or used car? New, any, any new cars, like what? 19 franchise. I think it's 17 now, 17,000. 17, and then is uh, a franchise almost, dealer, like a Ford dealership. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. They have a franchise. And then there, I think there's 30, 40,000 independent dealers out there. So it's almost double. The, the in, amount independent, independent ones are interesting because like you and I could go get a uh, dealership license, right? But not even have a physical location, yeah. but it counts as a dealer license. And then you have the ones. And some you, of those people call, are uh, just buying cars and flipping them yeah. too. Like, and then you have like a pot lot, which you know is like a little lot somewhere that might have a bunch of potholes in it or whatever, right? But uh, they sell a I couple thought, of cars. 10, 20 cars. I thought those yeah. were. I thought those were in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. That's a different thing. That's a different pot lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our way. But, okay. You know what's interesting? So Vin Solutions actually started for a very similar story, right? Like um, the guy I originally started it with, he was going around to car dealers, and he was actually ironically trying to sell AutoTrader.com. And was like, hey, I, I'll sell you advertising. And the dealers are like, well, who's going to take the po- photos of the cars? Like, we don't have time to take photos of the cars. And it was all about like Vin that stickers. enablement. Then, right. And that was the enablement. But it used to crack me up. Like, I would go out to these dealers and try and help them use our software. And they'd always be like, well, we don't have anybody to take photos of the cars and the pricing or whatever. And then you turn around, there would be four salespeople playing Standing cards. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm like, they want to sell cars, right? Like, they would sell more cars if their shit was on the internet and had photos and was priced the right way. And you don't just fix the problem by putting well, they don't someone in charge of that. pricing, though, yeah. because, like, different personality styles yeah. are also going to price things differently. Oh, like, yeah. Some people are too conservative. They're like, we used to run into that at the ticket business. They're like, well, I don't, it's your money. I don't want to reduce the price. I'm like, we're really going to reduce the price if we sit on these any longer because yeah. oh, yeah. it's time to sell shit. Yeah, I just went to the Stanley Cup, so that was... Saturday night, yeah. yeah I Those saw tickets that, yeah. where yeah, you, you, you see them because my son would check how much the tickets are going for. And you can change by the minute, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they're all up and down. No, that a lot of that's really algorithmic now. Not only from what you see in secondary markets like StubHub, it's also on the primary ticketing source. Like when the Chiefs ha- were playing the AFC Championship game, those those prices were going up and down, and they were driven by sales and pricing data. Well, it's like the season ticket holders might have got one guaranteed price, but then yeah. everything that was left over, yep. the Chiefs would sell at a higher price. Because they're leaving right? money on the table. So that's yeah. that's something that I have to believe that Lot Pop really – and by the way, if you want to check out Lot Pop, you can go to L-O-T-P-O-P, lotpop.com. Um, we are having – make sure also to come check out the uh, Instagram page. Somewhat new. Um, by the time this comes out, I'm hoping we have even more followers. That's uh, at Startup Hustle Podcast on Instagram, where I am going to post the first ever selfie and selfie and selfie. All right. Which was you and I. <laughs> did, when that world collides, the selfie and selfie, like at that moment, we could have done that could have been really dangerous. We could like open a wormhole or something. Maybe. Uh, a selfie and selfies when you take a selfie of yourself with someone else taking a selfie in the background. Oh, There's different levels. I thought of maybe it's layers and mirrors. My buddy Al won that whole contest when he got a selfie and a selfie and a selfie and did it ringside at the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Oh wow! Nice. I was like, dude, I quit. I'm over. I took <laughs> yeah, like three years off from that game and then came back. So anyway, back to your game. We can. You're on social media if we want. Mm-hmm. It, it, as what I see on Facebook, you have some other places too where people can. There are listeners can check check yeah. this out. Because by the way, pricing. This is just good stuff to hear from Jason when it comes to selling things. Well, again, not process, even just cars. Just, just process, the process and the process sales management. Yeah. You know, and that's doing that weekly call. Yeah, I'm, uh, 
answer your question, LinkedIn, of course, uh, do have all of our tips and everything on our YouTube channel, Lot Pop Inc. on there. Mm-hmm. 150, 160 videos on there. Wow. Um, I, but then I take all those and publish them on iTunes and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. So all that's available on podcasts too. So anybody in the automotive world, because that's what they're about, be kind of boring if you're not, maybe. But uh, yeah, all that stuff's out there. I, but I think that the car and auto industry from a sales perspective is rich with uh sales lessons because some of them are like hit my dues and some of them hit my don'ts when it comes to different things but um overall like i mean that's kind of like the og salesman in many ways yeah because it's um you know what the second largest purchase they say for most people right and what right after your house well yeah but you know you don't go emotionally buy a house right that's strategic you're looking at schools and the neighborhood and you just don't emotionally now if you find a house you can get emotional about it want to buy it but a car you could be just driving by or you know i'm going to stop in and see or you can be servicing your car next thing you know you see something you get excited next thing you're leaving the dealership with a thirty thousand dollar vehicle like what the heck happened i went in for oil change you know and so it's a little bit different than when it comes to sales because you you have some people are strategic and they're walking in the door with a purpose and a, and a reason and they know what they want and they're buying something and but that other people are shopping and then other people are just sitting in their service department next thing you know Hey, can I, if you're interested, I can get you in the same type of vehicle that's newer, but the new model for your same payment, would you be interested? Oh, heck yeah. Why not? Yeah. And then next thing you know, you got a deal. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different skill levels on sale, on, on use or car sales, not just used car sales in general because of that, you know. As far as pricing goes, one of the things that I've noticed with the just auto sales in general is the price you're representing on the internet has a lot to do with whether or not the people are going to show up at the lot. Nowadays, yeah. yeah, it used to be de- uh, customers, and not that long ago, they would visit over four dealerships before yeah. they made a purchase. And now it's down to 1.4, 1.5 visits. Uh, so yeah, they already know what they're buying when they come in. The weird thing is, is they sometimes it's still a high percentage end up switching cars, they come in thinking they want this and end up coming leaving with something else. But oh, what was you gonna say? I was gonna say they all think they can come in and afford like a Chevy Suburban, and then they end up with like. Yeah, the cheapest car that they sell instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I end up, I end up going the other way around. I'm that guy. I go and I'm like, yeah, buying a Malibu leaves with the yeah. suburban. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, in regards to what you guys do, I, I do want to say that I, and when you came and visited us once. I saw the most impressive Google Sheets that oh, I've ever seen. Do you remember yes. that, Matt? We, oh my God. Yeah, I've even raved about them. Um, you and, guys did things with Google Spreadsheets I didn't know was imaginable. Yeah, I know. I was like, is this really a Google Sheet? But and we don't have to discuss the proprietary nature of it, but you've created a lot of pricing algorithms and different things like that. What are some of the, I mean, what are you guys looking for when it comes to the advice as to how to price a vehicle? where to tell someone to buy something or, I mean, where does the advice come from? Like, I mean, what, what are the factors? Well, and that's with the Google sheets, you know, without knowing any software, I had to do what I, I knew or what I can get away with. So Google sheets made it a little bit easier. So we just started maximizing that because we didn't know how to code a software out. 
And, uh, you know, we came up with what we call lot score. We took there, we were polling initially probably about a hundred different metrics and examples would be, we'd go into their auto trader, uh, system and pull all the, uh, the backend reporting data out of there and cars.com and car gurus. And then the pricing tool, the auto system. And we'd go in there and pull data out of that. And we'd have hundreds of different metrics, but week after week, month after month, we realized there's about 30 key ones that matter that kind of meet up with each other. Hey, if this is off, then it's probably this or this. And so we took those 30 key metrics and I scored them all out. We put a scoring system behind it. What happened there was I was two years into the company and in order for me to grow, I was just handling the accounts myself and I can only handle about 25, 30 tops myself. So in order to grow this, I needed to hire somebody. So I hired somebody. Um, he happened to be a client for over a year and he's been a general manager and, but he, um, to uh, say dumb it down, you know, I was trying to show him the hundred charts and how to match things up. And it was kind of tough for him to navigate through there. I built it. So it was easy for me. And that's where the lot score came in. We said, okay, here's the 30 ones that 30 that matter, made it easier for our dealers, made it easier for him, made sure people weren't just buying me, they're buying the process. So the scoring system that we built out in the, in the Google sheets, um, allowed us, you know, a to an F. If, if, if this chart is an F, that's an area we got to work on this week. If this is an A, we're good here. We're good here. We're good here. This one's scoring bad. Focus there. And so when we do those weekly calls, it just made it easier for them to know exactly what they need to focus on this week and that so process the, management. The lot score goes amongst different categories. Is that, I mean, what are yeah. a couple examples of those categories? We'll break it down to things like stocking and then marketing and then what we call status, like their average investment dollars, their make mix, like how many different makes do I have out there? Ford, Chrysler, Chevys. Um, how, how, how the many, age of the inventory. Yeah. How many cars are sitting in certain age buckets? Biggest thing with us is what we call age. Anything over 60 days old is, is an age car dealers yeah. probably losing money by then. So we'll break it down in 15 day increments, zero to 15, 16 to 30. How many cars are sitting in each one of those age buckets? How many are selling in those age buckets? Um, things like that would be like the status. And then we have the marketing, which is like their, their search results on autotradercars.com. How many times are their cars showing up in searches? How many times are people clicking on them? Uh, things like that are stocking. You know, if they're heavy in cars, they have, meaning heavy means they have more in their lot than they're selling. So you, you just mentioned something about clicks. So you're also paying attention to like, an ad got clicked a thousand times, but no one bought bought this car. Is that like a is that a red flag? Yeah. Like, why do people keep looking at this well, and, and yeah. no one's buying it? There's got to be some something. To- so there's the what we look at the conversion percentage. How many times show up in a search and how many times they get clicked? So cars that convert really high, but they haven't got any phone calls, haven't got any leads on it. You know, it might be questionable. And so we either do one or two things. We might drop the price to see if somebody bites. Or sometimes we even raise the price and then all of a sudden somebody calls in and says, hold on, wait, I've been looking at that car and I know it was a 20 grand. Now you have a 20,005. Can I get it for 20? So, yeah, we watch that activity. And uh, again, or a car that's not converting at all. If no one, it's been a week or two, no one's clicking on it. We got to do something. About What's it. so impressive to me is um, you could have just as easily decided, you know, a year ago or two years ago or whatever, that you have to build all this crazy complicated software before you could do any of this. Where instead you're like, "Eh, I'm just going to do all this stuff manually. I'm going to (laughs) figure out what needs to be done. And then I'm going to cobble together some spreadsheets to help me do it. Yeah. And then that is now evolved to the point where like, okay, now we need to create some software to make this. You have to to know what you, I mean, before you're going to build software or do anything past it, you have to have a better, you have to have an understanding of what actually needs to occur manually. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of people kind of go backwards. That's what I mean. Yeah. And you're trying, they're trying to figure it out. And you know, it's like, I don't know. 
I'm the uh, tortoise approach on the entrepreneurial. What you know, I didn't go in hard and fast. I just pretty sure the tortoise won the race. Yeah, that's a just slow grind of figuring out being maybe too conservative. I take big risks. I mean, I take a big risk when I left. I mean, not one percent or money, but pretty high money pension, four hundred one k. I got to travel, work out of my house. I mean, if if I told everybody what I was making, what I was doing, they thought, and I had no safety net, not big savings, nothing there. I just, it was a, it was a leap of faith that this had to be done personally on an entrepreneur. I just had it itching at me, uh, but family's sake and everything else, just taking that leap of faith and then figuring it out. Like you said, just uh, what do I need to do to, to, to do this? And again, putting some Excel spreadsheets or Google sheets together was the easiest way right then and there. Yeah. I'm impressed. I love it. You got to get started somewhere. You talk about, you know, I did the same thing when I left the music industry. I was at that point now, and I was in my early thirties and I'm quitting the third job I'd had in life that most people work like a decade to get into. And people are telling me I'm crazy. They're like, you got to quit doing this because you're not going to get another job. And I'm saying things like, I'm, I don't want to work for anybody ever again. Yeah. Now I work for Matt on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'll get back to work, dude. I promise. All right. I'll good. try to do a better job. He's been eyeballing Speaking mm-hmm. of doing a good job, I want to give a shout out if I can do that really quick. Because um, we're trying want us to do a better job of recognizing the people that are recognizing us. Um, on the podcast app, So Fresh, So KT gave us five-star rating and said, uh, I have found so many episodes that have been informative and helped me focus on areas to make my business better. You guys are hilarious and you obviously love what you do. He's talking about me. What? Maybe. He said said Matt. Yeah. No, he actually didn't say Matt at all, but we will use that universally. Yeah. I think he said Matt was hilarious. We sometimes like to mash that together. Together, the Matts have exited a company for 150 million dollars there we go right yeah yeah <laughs> so um so basically and the you know i'm gonna kind of segue that feedback and thank you very much thank you for listening and if you are listening reach down and hit that fifth star it makes the other matt so happy yes but this this feedback we're talking about here like related to the podcast is also really important to dealers because i would imagine that a lot of times they're a little too close to what's going on and getting the outside perspective like mm-hmm. your vested interest it exists and well obviously you want to keep them as a client but you keep them as a client is if your value grossly exceeds what they're paying you and and i as someone who loves selling stuff anything that helps me sell it faster or and and you mentioned like raising the price it isn't always about dropping the price sometimes yeah. it's about like i would imagine you guys catch some things and say hey this is way too low yeah, yeah um and whatever but what are what do you think are three value added things that a service provider needs to offer their client I mean, great. They can obviously be what you do, but just in general, because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast have a business that creates some kind of service, even if it's software as sure. a service. I get, you know, when I was with the the company V Auto as a performance manager, the dealership has dozens of vendor partners, right? And they all have some kind of represent rep that comes in and service that account. Uh, but what I did a little bit differently, what I what I assume my accounts like the best out of me was I always try to go into that account, giving them some value, even if it's, um, you know, I'm talking, I go in there and talk to them about used cars or their V auto system. I, 
you know, had the background of retail sales and internet sales. So I might've reviewed their website before I went in, or I might've submitted a lead and see how they handled it. So when I went into the dealership, I didn't want them to roll their eyes going, oh, here's another vendor. You know, he's going to tell us what to do, you know, or whatever it was. Hey, I, I was bringing them value, not only showing them new, new stuff that we might have in our current product, but also, Hey guys, I also went on your website and I submitted a lead and no one called me for three days. You know that, you know? And so just always just try to add some added value to that. Uh, if that you, you did that at my business I, and I found that out, I'd be, well, first off, I'd thank you. Yeah. I'd say thank you. And, you know, sometimes people personally are like, oh, I don't mean like to be the one that has to tell you, but yeah. I'm like, no, thank you for real. Thank you for telling me that we suck at what we do. Someone yeah. needs to sometimes. All right. So we got providing value added. Yeah. Value added. Through, stuff, yeah. I mean, we'll even segment that out a, a little, a, a, a new perspective yeah. or checking the things that people don't check. I guess the another thing would be, you know, what helped me on the retail end when I was internet sales, and we got some good recognition there uh, in, in the industry, was, and what I do now, it's kind of good and bad, but it, it's quick to reply to people, both emails or calls, and, you know, no matter what kind of, if it's a vendor, somebody calling you, but uh, you know, my, my wife, even when I left the company, she's like, I thought you're going to be working less. You're like a doctor. You're worse than a doctor. Yeah. You're always on call. I was like, well, it takes me five minutes, you know, or when I was selling cars, somebody submitted a lead on a Sunday and we're closed on Sundays or at 10 o'clock at night. You know, a lot of people would wait till they got in the morning, but I would reply or I'd call or, or email them because I, that to me would stick out to that customer. Oh yeah, gosh, absolutely. Somebody's doing it at 10 o'clock at night. And it takes me five minutes, just five minutes. We used to have a salesman when I was at the dealership. He was an internet guy. And he would, um, when he was off, he was off. You know, he was handling used car leads, but he would not answer his phone or email. If he was off at six o'clock, he was home at seven and somebody called about a car. He wouldn't answer the phone. It's like, well, why didn't you get back with him? Well, I was off. Like, so what? It takes five minutes. Talk to the customer. Say, hey, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. I'm actually off, but go in there and ask for Tommy when you get in and he'll be able to help you out. You call Tommy and say, hey, I got a half a deal for you because then you'd split a deal. The salesman would split the commissions and it'd take you five minutes to do that, but they just wouldn't do that. You know, so I would say, again, just prompt on. on well, not respond to that customer gives them even more of a reason to find someone else that will. Yeah, exactly. And that, that allowed me, even though you say, well, then you're never stopped when you're going to take a break or this and that's like, no, it allowed me to have that freedom to take breaks because, you know, I did well in my career. And, and you know, that's what I'm saying. It, it, that, that kind of stuff got me to the level to be able to have more free time. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But, so taking five minutes, say, I, I do it today. If somebody called, I had it last night, Sunday night. Somebody's texting me saying, hey, I've seen your stuff on Facebook. I got two dealerships in St. Louis. And I'm texting them right back. Took me five minutes, sent them my calendar. He put an appointment for today at one and we had a demo with them. You know, that took me five minutes. So I waited. Who knows if he would have got back to me. So the promptness on that kind of thing helped me on all levels, both selling cars or dealing with accounts and clients. And that's a universal thing that applies to yeah. everything. We at Stackify, that's one of the ways that we differentiate ourselves is our customer service is fast. And one of our competitors, it takes 24 to 48 hours to get a response for anything and yeah. which is terrible. Yeah. I think you talk about providing value and just in general and that being number one, cause that is number one. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you aren't quote providing value, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And that can come in a number of different ways. I love the lot score. It reminds me a lot of the app score that Stackify has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like you get certain people like, just show me, like, where am I at? Yeah. Are we an A score? Like, we hooked it up to Gigabook, and I was like, hey, we are a B. Not so bad. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. okay. Bs get degrees. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> or is right. it Cs? Cs, Cs F, yeah, whatever you need to say. Yeah, the whatever. Fs doesn't rhyme. F, no, yeah. Yeah, and if you're getting As, you don't need well, a F, rhyme F, for F, why F, you're getting a degree. Yeah. 
Um, Matt, do you, so we we need a number three. Well, I would. What, s- what do we think here, Matt or myself? Either, either. A number three. I what, got an idea. Well, we were going to do a list of three. A list of three. What? Three things that service providers should be offering their clients if they want to build a larger client base or retain the ones they have. Well, so we said you got to provide, help them provide more value. Can we do four and five? Responsiveness. Yeah. We well, can, I, we well, can do I was as many thinking, as we want. I, mean, it, well, I was talking to today with one of my guys, but to me, and I don't know what to call it, but I always talk about it being a song and dance. Um, w- a lot of people don't like our phone calls. We do a weekly call for their accounts, but our calls is the, call their baby ugly. I mean, we tell them mm-hmm. their problems. So one of the things is you can't be, um, one of our guys is struggling with some of that stuff, I think, because he's too hard. You know, he comes off too hard. And I said, that's where you got to learn to song and dance. You know, you got to be able to, you know, give them a little jab, see what kind of reaction you got from them. If they're upset, then, you know, you got to back off a little bit with this right. customer. But if they they bite into it, like you said, hey, that, thanks for telling me. I appreciate that. Well, then now I can come in next week and jab you twice and go, hey, and it, but you, you learn how to, to do that song and dance with each other, read each other's personalities. You can't just be your personality. You, you got to start blending that sales. You got to blend with the personality next year. And then with that, yeah, I think you can build that. We did a whole podcast about that. I was just we? thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah. We just did one. It's, it wasn't, I don't even remember what that what number that was, but it was about get feedback, giving it, so receiving I it. I was telling Matt about how much of an asshole he was, but he looked awesome today. <laughs> that was sandwiching. It's all about sandwiching the feedback. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. 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 No, but you didn't put a top to the sandwich. Your sandwich only had bread on the bottom. And yeah. You're supposed to say, hey, Matt, thanks for showing up and doing the podcast with me today. Yeah. And keeping it alive while I was traveling around the world. Right. You're a total asshole, but you look great today. Yeah. You're it's looking good you doing sandwich. it. So it's, it's like sandwiching you sandwich in the, the feedback. Yeah. Um, uh, let's keep rolling here. Because remember, you know, the whole purpose of Startup Hustle is to try to help people get better at what they do and really to help their business move forward. And I feel like, you know, as far as, you know, a quote service business is the most popular business in the world. Yeah. And, and, you know, but I think people really kind of suck at providing service. We got to provide recurring value. I I think that's one of the other ones, right? So what you do is the, it's not a one-time thing. It's the continual process to continual service, right? You got to keep earning their business. Correct. So we do a 90 day and then month to month after that, but I got to go, give me three months, give me 90 days to prove our point. And if we ain't seen eye to eye, Either I'm not looking forward to the calls or you aren't, and then let's just split ways. But yeah, we got to. We tell people that on uh, full scale too. You know, check us out, fullscale.io. But, you know, we have a 30 day contract, and people are like, hey, if you're not happy with what we're doing, if we suck at our job, cancel. We deserve to be canceled. Yeah. 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 I mean, any kind of service business, you got to keep earning that value. Yeah. I think that if I could add one on here, now you be honest and candid is one, but I think just like, I think overall, the consistency is, you know, the consistency of service matters. And like, right. if you look at, uh, let's just take haircuts. One of the most commonly embraced service businesses out there. And if you have someone that cuts your hair and they do a great job, you go back and then they don't, it's done. There's no consistency there. I mean, is that is that fair? And I think that also with like, okay, does Stackify have to be pretty damn consistent with their software? Like Gigabook does. If Gigabook isn't, then uh, we take your appointments most of the time. Yeah. Did you get that haircut thing from Emith? No. Do you read that book, Emith? No. Uh-uh. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
Because he talked about that. He about consistency? Get, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, about getting a haircut. Yeah, E-Myth. Uh, E-Myth Revisited is an awesome book if you're an entrepreneur looking to start. Because it talks about franchise franchise prototype, which basically what we did, you know, with the lot score. I could take that and hire somebody to look at the score to train our dealers. So it's, it's frost, it's, you know, franchise prototype. I yeah, it, process it, and said, here, now yeah, the consistency's it. off. I mean, the same thing. Like if you were, if you visited a massage therapist and like, you're like, wow, that was a great massage. And you went back and you're like, God, that was terrible. And you didn't, it, it was only 43 minutes. I thought I paid for an hour or just stuff like that is, is, is important. And, you know, I've gone through cleaning companies. Yeah. I hired the one at your house. They do a great job, by the way. They're very consistent. I Well, I, I would on say time. one of the, they don't one of the main reasons that we go to McDonald's and eat there is consistent, yeah. right? Like it's not consistently necessarily good, right. but it's consistently okay. Yeah. So now we made you know a top, what to expect. Now we made a top four and Jason said that we'd go to five. So we're going to have to come up with a fifth, a fifth thing here. Uh, so far we have, you know, providing value and that has to do with recurring, uh, you know, maybe a different set of eyes on stuff. Uh, communication, quick replies, being responsive, um, candor, honesty. Um, I mean, that's also important. Consistency. What else are we looking for here? I think, I think, I mean, part of, you know, you talk about providing value. I think sometimes the value in your pricing is important too. Like, are you going to, when I look at the way that we'll treat a customer that's going to spend $50,000 a month at full scale, as opposed to one that spends 4,000, where am I going to, am I going to, am I going to find ways to really, I want, I want to make you feel important on the entry level and on the max level too. So I think that you talked about having that understanding of the personality styles and like that, that smaller account could very well be your biggest account anytime soon. So finding ways to understand what, like at full scale, I think like our, our business is to help you grow your business. We tell our developers that. So you, your purpose is to help the client's project move along, to provide value, to have consistent and steady communication, and to make sure that their experience with full scale is both positive and long-term. Right? Yep. Absolutely. That you were probably just there last week talking to everybody about that, right, Matt? That's right. Every one of them. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, another, another thing as a, a service company we got to always do is be providing more value. Right. Like well, that's what I'm saying. In the same way, it's like if like I can people give log into Stackify every day and, and they expect that we're going to be rolling out new features and functions, right? I mean, that's that's part of what most software companies do is they're always Indeed. evolving and providing more value. Either that, or your competitors will, and eventually, it will provide more value than you do. Yeah. So, well, and I would say something. Uh, everybody's guilty of this, especially in the car business. But you got to be a be your customer, meaning you go, go to your website, submit a lead, see what happens, call your phone number, try your product out as a consumer. And I'd say that in the car business, because guys have pride. It wasn't until I left the dealership in 05 and started to work on the vendor in that I had to go shop for cars like a customer does. You know, I just bought a car off the lot wherever I worked or had a demo. So it wasn't hard. So it's hard to put yourself in the customer's shoes as a salesman or as a manager. But if you actually had to do it yourself, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I can't believe our link doesn't work on our website, but no right. one there looks at it. It's process management. But yeah, be a consumer of your own products and see how that how it works out. Yeah. Almost if there was like only a month. service that helped us know when our websites weren't working. 
Well, that's just part of it, though. There's yeah. so many pieces to it. It's the I can th- I can lead. throw it up near the Ram Watson. I'm not going to dunk I mean, it for you. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things that Stackify helps with, right? Is <laughs> application performance yeah. and your yeah. application works, but you still got to actually log into Stackify and get that information sure. too, right? Sure. So, but it's so many things. Like uh, example of this, I I just found out we had a, a link that was broken in one of our tools, and it's been broken forever. You click the link, the link doesn't work. Do like you, like use, you said, do it's you all not use stuff. Stackify on Stackify? That's a broken link. That's not a different yeah. thing. But that it's just different... shows no one's using it because if a lot of people were using it, you'd probably get a heads up earlier too. Our, our so listeners love it. lesson to learn. You know, is it There's not necessarily a good way to give that feedback. Though. Yeah. Uh, our our yeah. listeners love it when we're shameless. And I'm going to talk about one of them. Like I'm going to fully throw myself under the bus. So I used to own a whole lot of sites that sold tickets. They were affiliate related sites. And we had an image on the front of them that had an 800 number on it, right? And at one point, that we built a site for someone else, but we replaced that one image with their phone number on it. Mm-hmm. Because no one at our office actually called our own freaking 800 number, no one even noticed it for months. Months. So all these sites collectively were getting tens of thousands of visits and we were literally for months making, making someone else's phone ring. Oh, it's somebody else's uh, phone number. Yes, we built uh, we built a site. I one of basically one of our competitors uh, had said, "Hey, I, I love what you guys do. Build a site." And I was like, "All right." It was pretty easy. Man, we well, built. You it. were great at what you do. You want to know, <laughs> dude? You want to know how? Well, first off, I called it and realized that it was, I was given, I was on one of my tangents. I was like, do we even check our own stuff? It's because there was like yeah. a broken link. I was yeah. like, has anyone even called the number? And then I called it like right. And, and, and oh my God, the fact that I made it out of that alive, well, yeah. meaning like, cause I almost popped, but um, we changed the, we changed the image that same day, put the same phone number back on. And I got a call from the other guy the next day. He said, I'm wondering if something's wrong with my site. My <laughs> phone isn't ringing today. And I was like, wow. You were sending him a lot of business. Oh, dude, it. it was so bad. And, you know, the, and I say like in a total shameless, like. Did you pick him up as a client then? Say, hey, well, we can. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. It was uh, it was really embarrassing. And it was like, I, I don't even know how long it had gone. It was like, it, like four months, man. But that goes into the. That other, was expensive. But yeah. see, now. Yeah, that's on your, like, we had a listing site, like these autotradercars.com, I won't call them out, but we had that when I was at a dealership. We had two reps on that site. Hey, called this guy or this guy, if you're interested. I called that company up and said, hey, one of my guys quit, so take him off the site. Okay. The one guy left, you know, a week into, a week later, he's like, man, my phone's just not ringing. I'm not getting much traffic. And I was like, well, it could be just luck of draw. Two weeks ago, second week ago, man, my phone's not ringing. And I'm like, all right, I'll start looking into it. So I start looking into it. I'm, I'm blaming them, you know, the, the, the sites or I'm looking at our inventory. It couldn't be. Anyways, by the third week, same thing. They took our phone number off when they took the guy's name off. Oh, good. So three weeks go by with no phone number on yeah. our listings. And I, I blame that company. I'm like, how would you, one, how'd you do that? But two, how'd you not catch that? Why is it up to me to catch this? No. Like, we're paying you this much money. So even though I said you got to be a customer of your own stuff, if you're servicing somebody like you guys are doing, is just make sure you double and triple. I'm, I'm just as guilty as that too with our products. But yeah, that's so you got to be brilliant on the basics. Yeah, man. It's kind of one on one. Well, man, it's time flew by. I could talk about sales and like and and how how to be better or 
worse or whatever. What's your number? You got a sales tip? Cause I, can uh, I get, can I get mine first? Cause mine's yeah, really simple. Yeah. Just ask for the sale. You got to ask for it. So do you want to go ahead and buy this? What do you think? When can we get started? Tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes, Matt. It's Tomorrow, always yeah. today. So I'm going right. to need you to write a check. Here's a pen. You guys can hear it. There you go. Sign right. that thing. Let's go. That's asking. Can you sell the pen? <laughs> You've oh, seen that, that right? I feel like yeah. it's so like cliche though. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, no, I would say my... Um, he should try to sell me the pen so I could give it back to him to get the check from him that he'll still not write. I would say if you have any young young listeners on this, I think that's more. We like to think that that there are babies out there whose parents are preparing them for future entrepreneurial ventures. My son, I'm trying to get him to sell cars just for the experience. But I would say any young people go wait tables because I think that right there gets you so many. That's how I started. And it helped me in car sales because one, you get different personalities, but also try to sell them a dessert. Well, you get your whatever. Yeah. Well, you get your scorecard every meal because it it, it depends on your tip. You know, if you keep getting crappy tips, obviously you're a crappy server. So, I mean, you get the feedback too on you. And when we're talking about consistency and being there and reply quick and fill up drinks, I mean, servicing, if you ever want to get in sales, get the service because you get in the service business, wait tables for six months. Maybe that's why my customer service is you, bad. You learn I was never every aware. type of asshole in the world. You're running oh, all yeah. of them. You're running all and then the good customers. And it's and then, you know, again, every table will tell you how good or bad you did. You know, another thing too, I think with that is is I've known a lot of people that were in the service industry. I was a bouncer at a bar for four years. And so it, and some of them were restaurants that then opened as a bar later. So I'd always talk to the servers and so many of them were so surprised. They'd be like, I never thought that'd be the guy that gave me the forty percent tip. Yeah. I think that we can add number six on our way out. Don't underestimate anybody as a, as a client or a customer, oh, yeah. Yeah. like don't pigeonhole people. You know, I used to sell pianos and sometimes you know, we get people that come in and they'd be like, have overalls on with like a piece of hay in their hair. And I'd be like, God, oh, that's not someone that buy a grand piano. Yeah, they are. Cause it was like, a, I actually sold a grand piano to a guy that fit that description. And I remember thinking this guy's never going to buy anything. He was a rich farmer. He driven in like an hour from the country and like they had nothing else to spend their money on. He didn't have a nice car. He drove him in like a Sanford and son looking pickup truck, yeah. but you know, the piano d- fit back there. Didn't well, it? no, we <laughs> delivered it for him. Yeah, that, and, and this analogy is actually perfect for cars because the, the, the doctor that comes in wearing scrubs at the Mercedes dealer is more likely to buy than the guy who comes in in the suit and tie. Cause the guy in the suit and tie can't buy the car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had somebody coming in with a old Mercury. The, the antenna was a hanger. Windows were down in a hundred degree temperature. The ceiling liner was drooping. Yep. They get all out and, and they come right up to the expedition. The 1997 is when the expedition first came out. I just delivered one and I turned around and these people are standing there. I'm like, oh no. I seen them pull up. I'm like, uh, they're looking at and didn't think of it. But this guy worked at Hostess for 20, 30 years. He's retiring as a retirement present. We barely got him done, but he got it. He got his expedition and drove off. But and he pulled in on a three hundred dollar car, probably, and left in a fifty thousand dollar car. You, you know, just you never, never know. You a, never a know. couple uh, three years ago, when I'm still working at home, and I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't always presentable, man. Like I didn't shave a lot. I wear shorts, t shirts, flip flops, like all the time. And, and when I, you have money, you don't give a shit either. I though. didn't, and I didn't, you and I had care. money, and I'd go places don't like care. I'd go to like buy my wife like a anniversary gift or something, and I would walk into some of those place is like a high-end jewelry store or a car yeah. lot and it's like people they're like trying to not make eye contact yeah. with me and like and you know then someone would and 
often make a big sale. Yeah, that's I yeah. love. You know, when I was and younger, I, and I buy shit quick too. I, I mean, I know what I want. I see what I like, and if I like it, then I'm like, cool, yeah. let's let's figure it out. I mean, I was making decent money when I was younger, but not like. But I always try to dress the part and, you know, wearing khakis and polos and everything. And then the more older I get, the more money I make, less that's important, you know, and I'm walking around and sweats and my gym clothes, clothes and not yeah. giving a shit. Yeah. I, I look like crap and I right love now. It. Yeah, and, you yeah. do. I mean, and that, but why am I not making more money? <laughs> Matt's oh. supposed to write the check. We'll get it. Oh, anyway, yeah, right. well, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode so Matt can write that check. Right, Jason, right. thank you for coming by. Lotpop.com. Come check us out on Instagram as well at Startup Hustle Podcast. If you're listening, whether you like the show or not, reach down and hit that fifth star. See you <laughs> right. next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.